Man, listen, you guys know we've been talking the last couple of weeks on this series about walking in the supernatural power of God. And you said it so wonderfully just a moment ago that the supernatural is in the instruction from God. And that's what we've been talking about the last lesson, the last couple of weeks. Uh, we started the last uh, two teachings that we did on this subject, referencing back to the guiding word of 2024. And we're going to talk about it all through 2024. But, you know, at the when we get the word typically in November or December, we spend a lot of time really getting uh, that, that word into our hearts so that we can walk it out in 2024. And so we've been talking about that. And one of the things we looked at was really just the first two paragraphs of the guiding word. And it starts off by saying, I am your father in covenant. And I declare unto you that there has been a shift in the realm of the spirit. It says the supernatural shall increase in every area of your life. So prepare yourselves for I have opened heaven gates wide for you. And we've been giving God praise for that. We've been honoring God and thanking God Thank for that Lord. and just blessing him for it. We started saying uh, out loud, changing our language, saying it's already done. It's now already we're, done. Now we're going to be blessed. Now it's happening for us in the future. It is already done. We receive it as done in Jesus' name. And so we started looking at a couple of scriptures, uh, really just to say, okay, how do we solidify this? If we say it's already done, what does the word of God say that it's already done at? Uh, and one of the scriptures we looked at was Second Chronicles 16 and 9. And it says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect for mm -hmm. him. And one of the things you said is that being perfect doesn't mean that we're without fault. It means to be like you said, like King David, to have a heart of repentance when we realize we got it wrong. And that's what God says. I'm looking for someone who's willing to, to, to have a redo. If they need to, I'm looking for somebody whose heart uh, is, is turned toward me, someone who wants to do my will, someone who wants to uh, trust in me, someone who wants to walk in my ways. And so we started saying, that's me. That's me. And if that's me, that's me. Then, then, then the Lord is looking for me. Somebody ought to put that in the comment section. Say the Lord is looking for me and the Lord finds those whom he looks for. And so if your heart is the heart to be a person who wants to honor God, uh, then this scripture was one of the foundational scriptures that we use to say, hey, this applies to you. And then the next scripture we use was Psalms 34 and 15, which simply says that the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his eyes, I mean, his ears toward their cry. And, and we were saying that what does it mean to be righteous? And we've explained this a lot of times, but we know we have new, new listeners all the time. And so welcome to any new listeners we may have. But one of the things that we say is that we're not righteous because we do everything right. Our actions don't make us righteous. Jesus makes us right. Thank God for Jesus. That we are the righteousness Ooh, of God in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus did. And when we accept Jesus Christ as the uh, appropriation of our sins and our salvation, then, then God looks at us as though we have no sin. That's what makes us righteous. And so for everybody we said who wasn't born again, we said, if you're not born again, this is your day to give your life, give to, your life to Jesus. This is your life. This if is you're your watching time. right now. And you're like, man, I need Come to on, give my to life him. to Jesus. Yes. Don't go any further. The Bible says the day you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Yes. And the truth of it is, it is not so much about a prayer as a heart posture. Mm -hmm. It is a decision to say, because going back to the 
the position about King David. Maturity is really the ability that once you find out you've done it wrong, mm -hmm. you are willing to adjust. Yeah, and get it right. To adjust. Yes. I responded wrong. I was reliant on myself. I was trying to get right before I came right, to the Lord. Right. That's the wrong That's perspective. The wrong perspective. I've, now under, I've now heard that Jesus is how I'm made righteous. Yes. I stopped trying to get right. I come to Jesus and I'm made right. And then the Holy Spirit begins to teach me how to live in conjunction with my identity. Yes. Yes. And so if that is you and you want to rededicate your life, you want to give your life to the Lord, you can put it in the comments. You can send us a message, but we want you to come home and we want you to come yes. home because we don't want you to miss all of the goodness that God has stored for his kids. We don't want you outside in the pig pen eating scraps. We want you at the table with us experiencing all the goodness of our God because our God is a good God. He's a good God. He is a good God. He's a good God. He is such a good God that even it's reiterated in the New Testament. It goes in 1 Peter 3 and 12 in the ESV version, and it says, "For the there it is again, the eyes of the Lord. They are on the righteous, those who have been made right through Christ Jesus. It says, and his ears are open to their prayer. Now, that, I don't know if that, if that resonates with a lot of people, but when I hear that, that makes me happy. God hears my prayers. You, somebody ought to put that in the comment section. Say, God hears my prayers. And, and, and that's a reassuring thing when I pray that he hears me. Because the Bible says that if he hears me, then he answers me. And so that, that, that means that God is, is, is hearing me and answering me. It says, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, to do evil doesn't just mean to miss the mark. To do evil means that when you have no consideration of God, when you do what you want to satisfy your own flesh, when you know to do right and to do wrong, that is what evil is. And so then we said that. In Wait, I have a, a mm -hmm. visual for his okay. eyes, because mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of times, depending on how you grew up, the idea that God is looking at you is a scary thing. Almost like, hey, you get kids to be good by telling them Santa Claus is going to see them, right? But to me, when I think about the eyes of the Lord being on us, I think about how you are with our kids when they're not necessarily in the same place with us. And one of the things that you do is that if you know they're traveling, you'll look. we look at 360 to Life 360, to see where they are, to track their progress. The other thing that you'll do is that, especially if somebody's going on a trip or whatever, you're going to look at their accounts and make sure that they have enough money. Just the other week, one of our adult sons was actually going to his first professional game, right? Yep. He's driving and you're like, but wait a minute. I just I'm looking to see where he is, but let me also not only watch over him, but let me send him some resources to make sure that he has enough that he needs. And, and so to me, the eyes of the Lord watching over us really sets us in the position that we get even more than what we were asking for because we have opened our lives to him. He is looking for us and then he is doing things for us that we didn't even anticipate, right? Because Chase was content to go to the game without any money from you based on what he had for himself. But you just went, man, if he going to his first NFL game, let me slide him a little bit, right? Yep. But what is that? It is that Chase has left his life open that we can still see him on 360, Life 360. Chase has left his life open so that 
we can still see into his account and see what he has. He's not, he is good at being a child, even though he's an adult. And what we want to learn as believers is how to be children, Amen. even though we are adults, so that when the father is looking for us, he can look down and go, wait a minute, that's sad. Said is heading to this track meet. Let me set some favor up for right. him that he didn't ask for because his eyes are turned to us. And I love how Renetta re reiterated, he has left his life open. Is your life open for God's eyes to look over it? Because if you go back to that original scripture we read, the first one, the bottom of it says he wants to show himself strong. And if you study that out, what it really means is God wants to be good to you. God is looking for someone in the earth that he can be good to. That is what he is doing. As a father, he wants to be good to us. As, as parents, if you got the heart of God, you want to be good to your kids. And so that is absolutely uh, absolutely on point in, in, a, in a great vision. When I think about the Lord looking at me, um, you know, it, it used to be scary because I was doing stuff I knew I wasn't supposed to do. But now that I'm living for God, I want God seeing me. I, now that I understand, I want God looking at me. Why? Because because He'll look in my account when I can't. When I when and He'll slide me something. He'll look That's in my, He'll look in my health account and slide me something. He'll look at my emotional intelligence account and, and slide, slide me something. Me something. Right. Somebody ought to go ahead and say this. Say, God, I'm open. You can slide me something. No, but I want to speak to the person who is doing wrong. Right. Speak to I want to speak to the person who is doing wrong, because I remember a time in my life when I was struggling with a sin and it was bothering me that I was struggling with this sin because I wanted to quit. Mm -hmm. But I I'm like I was like Paul that I wanted to do right. But every time I tried to do right, I was just doing the thing I said I wasn't going to do no more. And I remember the Lord saying to me one day, Sean, I see you. Stop struggling and let me untangle you. Yeah. And so that was a powerful thing to me that even because he, I, you can be struggling with something, but your heart is still for God. Your flesh is just so strong because you've never disciplined your flesh. I remember it was the most comforting thing to me because I had been trying to get rid of that by myself. I had been trying to manage it myself. And the day he said to me, Sean, I see you stop struggling and let me untangle you. Mm -hmm. So, yes, he want to slide us something. But sometimes what he want to slide is some deliverance. Mm -hmm. What he wants, sometimes what he want to slide is taking the taste of that out your mouth, taking that off, off your mind. He wants to slide you something because according to Second Chronicles, he wants to be good to us. He is looking to show himself strong on our behalf. Can you turn it to your neighbor? We serve a mighty good God. We do. We serve a mighty good God. We do. We do. And so then we spent the last couple of weeks and we walked you through four elements uh, of what we must do. If we are going to walk in the supernatural power of God, understanding that the supernatural power of God comes from the instructions that he gives us. And so, number one, we said that we must first believe in the supernatural power of God, which means we must believe that when God gives us an instruction and we carry that instruction out, there is more anointing on doing it because God told us to do it. Then we would get just from our intellect. 
That's good. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. We must first believe in the supernatural power of God. The supernatural power of God is not magic. We said it's not it's it's, it's not spells and and and, and potions and, and and unexplainable events. The supernatural power of God is you hearing what God tells you to do. God tells you as a spouse to be quiet in a situation and don't say something to your spouse. You be quiet and don't say something. That is supernatural. Sometimes Amen. it's supernatural just not to say nothing. But when you don't say something and then God works that situation out, that is much more powerful than if you just had the intellect to do it because it came from God. And then we said the second thing that we must do is that we must constantly be seeking God's presence. You know, one of the scriptures that we talked about was in Psalms 103. Was it, it was actually Psalm, it was actually Exodus. Uh, Exodus 33, 12 through 14, where it says, if thy presence go not with us, carry us not up hence. In other words, we said, God, we don't want to be anywhere where your presence is not going to be. Uh, people say funny things like, oh, I'm going to have to put my religion down or, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to pick up my cardinality for a minute. And all that stuff is, is it, it sounds funny and, and, and laughable. But the reality of it is anytime we step outside of God's presence, we put ourselves at a deficit. Anytime we step outside of where the presence of God is, we are operating at a deficit, no matter how intelligent we are, no matter how deep our network is, no matter how much money we have outside of the presence of God, we are at a deficit. And then we said that the third thing that we must do is that we must spend time meditating on God's word. And we talked about what that word meditate means. It means to mutter over and over. You know, one of the things that we tell people all the time, people laugh because a lot of times when we're having conversations, our conversations sometimes can be in scripture. Well, it's because we've meditated on his word so much, right? And if I'm meditating on his word, when I am saying something, the Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, what's going to happen? The mouth's going to speak. So if I got scripture in my heart in abundance, That's what's even when out. problems show up, what am I doing? I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to speak the word. When good things are happening, what am I going to do? I'm going to speak the word. If I'm trying to make a point, what am I going to do? I'm going to speak the word. <laughs> I'm going to speak the word. So we must spend time meditating on God's word. And in order to do that, one of our four commitments throughout the course of the year is to do what? Read our word daily. Read our word daily. You should be consuming the word of God. One scripture says, God, I desire your word more, more than, than what? More than my necessary food. Most people ain't skipping a bunch of meals. You may skip one. You may, you may fast a day. But you ain't, you ain't skipping a meal for seven days. But yet we'll go without reading our word for seven days. And so we must. Spend time meditating on God's word. And then the fourth thing we gave you before we ended last week is we said we must surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit. That's what you just said. I'm open. I'm open. You can go ahead and type that in the comment again. Lord, I'm open. You must surrender your life to Holy Spirit. Why? Because one of the things we said is that God ain't even really talking to you. What God is, Who God is talking to is the Holy Spirit in you. You just get to be able to be a part of the conversation from the two of them. And then if you listen to what they're saying and do what they're telling you to do, your life looks a whole lot different. Absolutely. And that's why we said you must surrender 
your life to the Holy Spirit. And so then this morning, we're going to talk about this fifth element and Pastor Shana, get into this one. It is we must walk in obedience. We must. And I love the very first scripture that we have right here. It says John 14, 23. Jesus replied, anybody who loves me will obey my teaching and my father will love them and we will come with them and make our home with them. Mm -hmm. I love this scripture so much. One of my favorite books of the Bible to listen to is the book of John. I probably listened to the book of John on, um, on the Bible app six or seven times a month. It's one of my absolute favorite books. This chapter is one of my favorite chapters in the book of John because it really starts with let not your heart be troubled if you believe in me believe if you believe in God believe also in me and he's really talking about the intimacy he desires for us but I think the radical shift many people in the church need to make is that our walk with God in obedience is not because we are afraid of him it is because we love him and if we love him, then there is something in us that wants to please him. How many of you can think of somebody that you love and because you love them, you want to please them? You maybe can even think of that in an unhealthy way, that there is somebody that you love so much that you wanted to please them, right? And so I think that this is so important because I think that when a lot of people in the church hear obedience, they are still thinking I've got to surrender to the Holy Spirit and I've got to obey God because if I don't, God is going to get me. But what you need to understand is that the only reason God is asking you to obey is so life doesn't get you. God is not looking to get you. His plan for us has always been redemption and fellowship. If God was looking to get us, when Adam and Eve sinned, he could have just let all the natural consequences play out. Instead, he sends Jesus. Why does he send Jesus? To reconcile us. And I think one of the big disconnects around obeying God is that when I am not obeying God, I am already on the destruction path. When I'm not obeying God, I'm already on the path of destruction. When I'm, when I'm not obeying God, I am on the highway of the enemy stealing, killing, and destroying me. So when God says walk in obedience, he is saying come to the safe place of my love. Can y'all put, I want you to get that in your mind. That when God is asking you to obey, all he is saying is come to the safety of my love. Come to the safety of my love. Think about this as a parent. Come to the safety of my love. If you are walking with your kid beside a busy street and you're holding their hand, you know that there is an a, a age a kid will get and they don't want you to hold their hand. They're like, I can do it, right? But you hold their hand. Why? Because you don't want them to get, you know that they could get excited and dart in front of a car and you don't want them to get that consequence. You don't want them to experience that. We want to surrender to God and obey God so that we can live in the safety of his love. 
God's instructions for obedience are not to lord over us, to beat us up, to enslave us. It is literally to get us out of the destructive path of the of defeated one. Absolutely. And to be clear, the reason that God ever gave the children of Israel certain guardrails to live by was because he knew what was best for them. So you have to say, yes, God doesn't want me to be obedient to him because he doesn't want to have to get me. God wants you to be obedient. You're right. So that life doesn't get you. But God is also a systematic God. He is also a fair God. And as a, as, a, as a systematic and fair God, he has to set up parameters that we get to choose to live by because he created us to be free moral beings. And as free moral beings, I can choose to obey him or not. So he says, okay, I have to put a system in place that works for everybody. It can't be that Sean can obey and be blessed and Edwin can be disobedient and be blessed. That wouldn't be systematic, nor would it be fair. So we find multiple places in God's word. One of them is Exodus 9, 19 and 5, where he says, now, therefore, if you will, or if you will, that means we have a choice. If you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above what? All people. He was talking to the children of Israel. He said, if you will do things my way, there will be a distinct difference between you and everybody else. And that is still God's word. He's not out to get us, but he is out to make us distinct. Why? Because as we become distinct, we draw other people to him. He said, that is the reason I'm asking you to be obedient. Another one is Deuteronomy 28, uh, 1 and 2, when it says, uh, and it shall come to pass. If thou shalt hearken, that's to hear and do, diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do. Observe and to do what? All his commandments, which I commanded this day, he says, then the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. So I need people to understand there is benefit in obeying God. It's not just, the, it, it, you're 100% you're correct. It's not just so that you don't get in trouble. God is saying, I want you to obey me because I want what's best for you. You talked about holding the kid's hand. The kid may not feel like the hand holding is best for them. But as a parent, you know the consequences that are out there, even if the kid doesn't understand those consequences. There are consequences out there that we don't even know are around the corner. And God is saying, if you obey me, I keep those consequences from you. And even if they come up on you, I have the power to deliver you. So God wants you to obey him because he wants to be good to you. He wants to be good. There, that, we, that one scripture that you use, that we're a treasure to God. Now, the truth of it is, is that anybody who has treasure, you treat treasure different than you treat common. Yeah. You protect treasure in a different way. So God asking to him to us to obey him is a form of protection. And I was thinking about this because you talk about how to the kid having their hand held, it does not seem good to them, mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem good to them because they are so immature that they are unaware of the consequences. Right. right? So I was just thinking about this and I was thinking about this ties into 
meditating on the word, this ties into obeying God and partnering with the Holy Spirit. I can remember when God wanted to turn our marriage around. And one of the things that he said to me was a very specific thing. He said to me, every morning when you wake up, after you thank me, I want you to list the things you love about Edwin. List the thing. That's the instruction. At that point, our marriage is not in a place that I want to list the things I like about you. They're not even top of the mind. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I really just did it to obey God. Yeah. I really just did it to obey God. It was like, I really don't want no smoke from the Lord. I want my marriage to work. The Lord told me to do it. I'm going to do Isaiah it. Isaiah 119. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But here's what began to happen. What God knew that I didn't know in my immaturity is that the more that I would meditate right. on what I loved about right. you, the less I would be bothered by what was different about you. Right. I didn't know that in my immaturity. But he knew that what you meditate on grows in your life. He knew that he what knew. I meditated on grows in my life. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things, because this is a practical example, one of the things is that we we talked about it last week that we used to have this issue that if you reinforced instructions, ask me a question, <coughs> I would get offended and say, do you think I'm stupid? Right. Mm -hmm. The more I meditated on who you were. Right. Mm -hmm. Not when I'm angry, not calling my girlfriend. I don't know why he always asking me the same thing over and over again. But I'm following that instruction every single morning mm -hmm. to meditate on who you are. Mm -hmm. And the Lord begins to say things to me like this. Edwin is extremely detailed to protect you guys. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want the reason he asked you so many questions about your event is he doesn't want you to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want if 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 he's going to have to help you when my business was younger, if he's going to have to help you, he wants to have a full picture. Now, here's what happened. Years later, you're literally still doing the thing that used to get on my nerves. Mm -hmm. And I we have had three specific instances in the last week where you did it, I realized you did it. And the only thing that came out of my heart is he does it because he cares about me. Mm -hmm. That's what meditation will do. The reason we're fighting God's word. So his instructions is that we have not meditated enough to be able to understand why God is asking us to do what he's asking us to do. Mm -hmm. So then when God asks us to do something, it seems grievous for us. Right. So maybe we do start from a place that's grievous. But if we continue to meditate, because what is so different for me is that I think you would say it's different. I used to get so worked up when you would ask me those questions. Yeah. I typically don't act like that now. Right. I'm not saying I don't ever, but I typically don't. Right. What changed my understanding? How did my understanding change through meditation? What was the supernatural instruction to list the good things about my husband every day? God literally used that to fulfill this promise where he had said to us, if you will do it my way, I will give you days of heaven on earth. Yes. We don't know the way. 
So then Jesus says, if you love me, obey my teaching. Mm -hmm. Not if you understand me. Yeah. Not if you agree with me. Not if you feel like it. If you love me, obey my teaching. That is not even a, oh, you love me, you ought to do right. If you love me, trust me enough to follow me. And my father will come and we will love you and make our home with you. That's the promise. That's the promise. That, but, but you don't get the promise without the first part. He says, anyone who will obey my teaching. So, so the, the, the thing is, you want the father and you want Jesus and you want them to come and be with you. The condition is that you do what? Obey. So again, this obeying is not about you getting in trouble. It's about setting you up for your best life. It's like a parent giving their child instruction because the parent has already walked out the path. And maybe the parent missed the path and they know what they would know, they know what not to do. So they're trying to keep the kid from making the same mistake. And they say, if you will obey me and do this, this is what will happen for you. You know, it's like. We we've never we've never lived through eternity, but God has. Come on, <laughs> we we've never Come lived on. through eternity, but God has. He knows everything, and He says, "If you will just obey Me, you will get access to everything." And there is such a sweetness in obedience. There is a there is a sweetness that rele is released on your life when you begin to obey God. I want to go back to that scripture, the first Samuel. It says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To, oh, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. But think about this. Part of the sacrifice was the sacrifice brought a fragrance to God. Our obedience brings a fragrance of sweetness to God, which is then poured back into our lives in his sweetness to us. There is a sweetness that my life has that it did not have five years ago. Mm -hmm. There is a sweetness that my life had, has now that it certainly did not have 25 years ago. But it comes from meditating on the word and, and saying, you have seen eternity, but I have not. Mm -hmm. And so whatever you're telling me to do, and literally this is one of the things I have said about you. This is I, I literally say to myself all the time, especially when you get super detailed about something. I say everyone understands details in a way that you don't. Don't let your ego, don't let your flesh, don't let your desire to be right make you end up in a path of destruction. Just surrender to the fact that he knows something you don't know. God knows so much more than we could ever know. So much more. <laughs> and so the great thing about this, this, we're talking about obedience, right? Obedience is an activator to the supernatural. Why is obedience an activator to the supernatural? Well, I'm going to go back to what we said earlier. Su the super Walking in the supernatural power of God is about hearing God's instruction and then doing it. So when you obey God, it activates God's supernatural. Anytime God speaks, it's supernatural. The question is, will it be supernatural in your life? Because if God speaks to you and you don't do it, it doesn't become supernatural for you, even though his word was supernatural. And so when God speaks into our lives and we begin to do 
or we begin to behave in a way that God has instructed us to behave, or we say what God told us to say, we do what God told us to do, it is the activator. It is the activator in our life. The Bible says in James 2 and 22, it says, you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. So my faith my, was expressed yes. by my obedience. So you say, I have faith in the Lord, but the Lord gives you an instruction and you don't do God's instruction. Your faith doesn't get expressed. And if your faith doesn't get expressed, it doesn't produce anything. So what I hear you saying is that when God said to me, begin to list the things about Edwin that you love, right? He was like, if you really believe I can give you days of heaven on earth, then do it my way. So what I'm hearing is, and I'm sure we have said this at some point, but I'm hearing it new this morning. My obedience is a seed that gives me the harvest, that gets me to the harvest of what God promised. Yes, we, we my, typically say it like this, obedience is faith in action. Yes, but we talk a lot about seed. Yes, I I plant my seed of obedience. I plant my seed of obedience into His instruction. Into His instruction, and it produces a supernatural harvest in my life. So the way we got to the marriage we have now, yes, is we both sowed seeds yes. of obedience. Yes, even when it did not look to us like the other one was changing, even when it didn't make sense in our natural that we would be doing X when the other is doing Y. It came down to, will you obey God? Because my, everybody put this in the comments. My obedience is a seed. Yes. My obedience is a seed. Now, Hebrews 11 and 8 is going to confirm this. It says, by faith, when Abraham went to a place that he would let her receive as his inheritance, obeying and went, even though he did not know where he was going. You understand that if Abraham had not gone where God told him to go, we would not refer to Abraham as the father of our faith. Because he couldn't it, have pleased God. It had been Jack right. or, whoever, or whoever, went, else went. whoever went. Or whoever went. My obedience is a seed. It is a seed to receive what God has pre-prepared for me. I'm going to say pre-prepared, pre-packaged, yes. pre-planned for me. There, God had pre-planned a good marriage yes. for me. He needed my seed of obedience to get it there. Yes. God had pre-planned financial provision for me. He needed my seed to get me the harvest. God wanted to make Abraham the father of many nations. He needed Abraham's willingness to give him Isaac. Everybody has to bring a seed. So the enemy also uses disobedience as seed. Absolutely. So basically my actions are going to determine whether I experience the will of God or whether I experience the will of the terrorist. Yeah. It's, it's, it's why Hebrews 11 and 6, you just read 11 and 8, two verses prior to that, it says without faith. What is faith? Obedience is faith in action. If I don't have that, it is impossible I think I don't know how many times I have to look this up again, but there's one time I looked up the, the, the strong concordance word to impossible. And it, it appeared less than three or four times in about maybe five. I might have to look it up again. But impossible. It says it is impossible to please God. Now think about that. God says, but with faith, all things are what? Possible. But it is impossible to please God. 
if you don't have faith. How do I know I have faith? Because I can see my obedience in action. If my obedience to God is expressed, if I'm doing it, then that is my faith. If I have faith, then all things are possible. But without it, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and that he, I love this, is a rewarder. There it is again. He wants to be good to us, to those who earnestly or diligently seek him. And so in that verse, if you really just look at that verse, that's just a verse of seed, time, and harvest. Sure it is. It is a verse of seed, time, and harvest. He says, your faith is the seed. When you come to me, you got to come to me with the seed. And you have got to believe that I am the Lord of the harvest. Yes. And if you come to me and you plant your, that, seed, plant of that seed of obedience, then the Lord of the harvest is going to reward you in, be, kind. in kind because you brought your seed of obedience. And what you have to realize is you bring a seed regardless to whether it's obedience or disobedience. So you get to choose. It's like he says, I said before you today, life and death. If you don't know which one to pick, choose life. Well, the reality of it is all of us every day get to choose whether we're going to sow seeds of obedience or seeds of disobedience. And whichever one we sow, that's what we're going to harvest because he is the Lord of the harvest. He, tell your neighbor, say he is the Lord of the harvest. And because he's so supernaturally kind. He set up a system that even when we have blown it and participated in disobedience, this is one of the things I really love about God. You can make 155 steps in disobedience, but God does not make you make 155 steps in obedience nope. in order to snatch you out. Nope. That is why the old people used to sing a song that if you take one step, he'll do the rest because God so wants to be good to us. It's just like when the prodigal son comes home, when the father sees the prodigal son coming toward him, he doesn't make him come all the way. He meets him. That is the reason that if we are struggling in an area to obey, maybe you're struggling with your eating. Maybe you're struggling with your giving. Maybe you're struggling with keeping your mouth closed. All God is like is if you will turn to me, I will help you at the place that you are. I don't even make you come all the way to me. Just turn to me and I will walk you where you're supposed to be. Absolutely. Baby, that's good that's, right it's there. It's really good. I will. I see you way off there because you walk 200 steps away from me. If you just turn around, baby, I will come to the place that you are. My presence will walk you back to where I called you. That's why he said, if you will obey my <laughs> commandments, not, my father, all, not only me, me and my daddy, me and my daddy will come to you. We just need you to do your part in obey the instruction. We are waiting to come to you. We set the system up so that no matter how far away you got, we could get to you. We, we designed the system. So that no matter how far away you have walked, when you decide to obey this word, we'll come and get you. Somebody say God is a that's good what God. I, that's why the psalmist says, if I make my bed in hell, there will you be with me. Why? Because you'll come get me from wherever I am. God is just that good. God is just that good. He is looking for us to turn. Mm -hmm. The moment we turn, we find out he was there all the time. He was limited by the system and our actions. 
But the moment we turn, he like, that's what we've been waiting on. Let's get her. And you, and you see this played out in scripture because the Bible tells us in Psalms that the children of, e of Israel got out of bondage. I think it's Psalm 78, didn't it? I think it is. They got, yeah. they got out of bondage and, and they praised God. And then they went and got back in bondage. And they cried out to God. And God came and delivered them and put them back in freedom. And they gave God praise. And before you know it, they went back into bondage. And when they was in bondage again, they cried out to God and God came and got them out of bondage and put them in the freedom. And they stayed and they honored God. And you know what they did? They got back in the bondage. And it says they cried out to him. And do you know who showed up? God showed up and got them out of bondage. Why? Because he is always looking to bring us to freedom. He set the system up. So that no matter what we did, we could cry out to him and he would come and get us wherever we are. He says, if you will obey my commandments, me and my father will come to you and we will we will be with you. And here's what I know where the father and, and, and Jesus and Holy Spirit is. Problems can't stay. They can't stay there. And so you learn to obey God and you will start to see your life radically change. It's not about not getting in trouble. It's about living in real freedom. I feel like, um, I feel like, how many of you are getting something from this and can you put it in the comments, right? There, there is just so much power in obedience, right? Mm -hmm. And I, 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 feel, I, I, I know that the reason the illustration of our marriage keeps coming up is because in the new covenant, it tells us that marriage is a reflection of God in, in the church, right? And the truth that that the husband is supposed to represent Jesus and the church, the, the wife is supposed to represent the church. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this may rub some of y'all wrong, the wrong way, but it's only because you don't properly understand it. My obedience to you mm -hmm. actually gets me a reward. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So the enemy wants if we look at the natural, because we see the same problem in natural marriage that we see in the spiritual marriage, in the sense that God has designed you to be safety for me, mm -hmm. you to be provision for me, mm -hmm. right? What the world, what the enemy does in the natural is he wants the husband not to see himself that way. Mm -hmm. He wants the wife to see. The husband trying to be that way to her as trying to lord over her, mm -hmm. right? But the truth of it is, is that there is a help that comes to me when I don't fight your instruction in my life. There is never a time, if, if I just tell the truth, listen, this is your early birthday present. There has never been a time in my life, even when you were young, that if you told me to do something, and I bowed my knee to do it, that it did not work out good for me. And even if what you told me was wrong, you then helped me fix the thing that you told me. Mm -hmm. God wants to bring us into this place of submission. I love what Christy just said. The enemy wants me, he wants all of us to see obedience and submission as bondage. Yeah. He wants us, he wants us, he wants me to believe that I am free by doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. That I am free by saying to Edwin, you can't tell me what to do. 
I'm a grown woman. I go where I want to go. I got my own money. I got my own whatever, right? Because he wants to pull me from under the safety that comes from our intimacy. It's the same lie he spoke to Eve. He, he wanted to pull Eve away, Adam and Eve. He wanted to pull them away from the safety they were in. So he fed them a lie that in order to really be free, they needed to disobey an instruction God had gave them. The disobeying an instruction God gave them would make them free, make them just like God. But what he really did was really trick them into obedience and, and, and into bondage. I want, I want to help somebody with their kids because I'm seeing this so clearly, right? Even some of the rebellion that we see in kids sometimes, that's not them. That is the enemy working to pull them out of safety. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, what Adam and Eve sin actually opened up in humanity, it opened up the desire for us mm -hmm. not to be told what to do. Yeah. Now, can y'all see that? Think about even a small well, key. Well, adults understand that. They don't like to be told <laughs> what to do. It's why people struggle to have pastors in their life. It's why they struggle to have coaches in their life. It's why they struggle to have mentors in their life because they don't mind being told they're great. They don't mind being told they're awesome. They don't mind being told they're next in line to be a millionaire. But when they're told you need to fix your character, that rubs them the wrong way. When they're told you need to learn how to submit, it rubs them the wrong way. They don't like to do that. And that is a part of our fallen nature that we have to learn to crucify. So I believe if we meditate on this word the way you tell us to, the way you're saying to us, then what begins to happen is that our heart begins to change and obedience moves from being something that we're doing out of compliance, but we're doing out of an act of love. Mm -hmm. There are, it, I don't know, I just, I just feel like that there are so many of us right now that God is saying, if you will come into this understanding of my love by meditating, by practicing my presence, even something you struggled with last month, you can stop struggling with in January because you begin to kill the part of you that doesn't want to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. You begin to kill the part of you that believes the lie that bondage really comes from obeying mm -hmm. God. And you begin to understand, no, just like Eve, at the, the enemy's plan hasn't changed. He wants me to come from under the safety so that he could, so that, so that he can have his way with me. Mm -hmm. The enemy wants me to obey. I, I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that my destiny would have been severely altered had I not allowed God to do the work that he desired to do in me that allowed us to partner. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying good things couldn't happen to right. me. I'm not saying good things wouldn't have happened to you. I am saying that the enemy had a vested interest in never letting us see the partnership that we were supposed to have. Right. Right. The enemy has a vested in, um, interest in you never seeing how your obedience puts you in partnership with God. Mm -hmm. He has a vested interest in keeping you distracted about who isn't qualified to tell you what to do, who ain't old enough to tell you what to do, who don't know what you've yep. been through, who all of that different stuff. 
All of that stuff is a distraction. Mm -hmm. And one of the scriptures, I can't think about what this, uh, where it is right now, but it says the scripture that says um, sideshow distractions. Mm -hmm. We've got to move past sideshow distractions yep. so we can experience this supernatural God has for us. Absolutely. We've got to say, God, I position my heart towards you so that my the rest of me can obey yep. and when i find myself i'm this is a trick i have now when i find myself getting irritated about your instruction toward me this is the thing i started saying to myself what do you know to be true about edwin strickland yep. i literally say what do you know to be true about Edwin Strickland? This is what I know to be true about Edwin Strickland. I know that Edwin Strickland loves Sean Strickland. Yep. I know that Edwin Strickland loves God. Yep. And I know that Edwin Strickland only wants what's best for me. Yep. I have learned to use that to adjust my own. Baby, I'm adjusting my attitude for the Holy Ghost get over here to me. I'm like, hold on. No, you're right. I got it. I know the questions. What? So the question is, what do you know about God? What do you know about God? You know that he loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son for you. What do you know about God? I'm going to tell you what you know about God. You know, I want you to think about just for a second, just some of the dirt you've done. The fact that God still gave his life in spite of that dirt lets you know that God is not trying to leave you out there. But by he yourself. knew he was going to do it beforehand. He knew he was going to do it beforehand. But he made a way for you to be reconciled after doing it. So then we got to begin to say, God told me to move to this city. I don't want to move to this city, but what do I know about God? God told me to change my diet. I don't want to change my diet, but what do I know about God? I know that God is good to me. God told me to sow this seed, even though my money is funny, but what do I know about God? I know that he will hold no good thing for Come me. Come on, you see, and that's why people laugh at us sometimes when they're hanging out with us. They be like, the word just comes up out of you because we, our goal is to keep so much word. <laughs> it's funny because you were saying, what, what do I know about? I know that he did, he did not spare his only begotten son. Shall freely, not Shall freely, freely with him give us all, all things. things. I, I mean, you you can if you if you meditate on that word and start asking yourself that question, you can literally answer that question with scripture. So somebody, as we get ready to close, answer that question with scripture. What do you know about God? What do God? you know about God? What do you, not what you know about your mama, not what you know about your dad, not even what you know about yourself. What do you know about God? I know that God is faithful. I know that God will make a way in the desert. I know he's Jehovah Jireh, I know the that Lord he, who provides. I know that he is Jehovah Sikhanu, mm. the Lord who makes me righteous. I what do he, you know I about know God? I know he is El Elyon, the God above all other gods. Listen, as we get ready to go, listen, this is how we go in this service right here. We're going to tell the world what we know about God. Amen. What I know about God is that he is my shepherd and that's why I do not want. Hey, somebody said he's a very present help in the time of trouble. I, th that's <laughs> what I know about God. I know that he is a, main, a way maker. That he will hold no good thing from me. I know that he who abides under the shadow of the almighty shall dwell in the secret place. I know that he has given his angels charge over me lest I dash my foot against the stone. I know that he sent his word and he healed me. I know he'll never leave me or forsake me. You better come on in. <laughs> this is, he is, said, he is a I redeemer. I know he is a redeemer. I know he is a protector. Right. I know that he is a corrector. He is a strong tower. I know he He's is merciful. <laughs> Listen, Lisa you, said, you, I know you he rebuke. 
So think about that. Yes. I love what Lisa used. I love what Lisa used. Lisa just used, I know he rebukes the devourer for my sake. So when trouble comes that's trying to devour me, then we should never say, is this God? Right. We should say, oh, this can't be God because mm -hmm. God is the one who is trying to keep the devourer from devouring me. Mm -hmm. Sheila said, I know he is my peace. Listen, and I love this one too. He's a promise keeper. He is a God promise. is not a man that he shall lie. No, the son of man that he shall repent. If he said it, it's going to come to pass. I know that all things um, come to an end, but his word remains forever. Ooh, it's broad. It goes even into eternity. Psalms 119. I know that he is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. Mm, come on. What is God to you? What is God to you? Uh, Karen said, I know his banner over me is love. All right. This is the meditation. I, said, I know he's a healer. I know he's a healer. I know he's Abba. Oh, and he's a good, he's a good, good, good father. Good, good father. I don't know if Crystal on here, but he's the <laughs> sweetest daddy ever. That's right. He is the sweetest daddy ever. Understand that these are the meditations. He cares for me. Thank you, Holy Ghost. As we get ready to give, you can put the giving scriptures up. I want you to think about this. One of the things that I think holds us up sometimes in obedience mm -hmm. is that we begin to look at ourselves. Yeah. And we begin to say things like, I need to obey God more. And that is true. But I don't get to obeying God more by saying I need to obey God more. Mm -hmm. I get to obeying God more by doing what we just did. Because now I get so full of he's my redeemer. He works all things together for my good because I love him. He's a good father. I'm created in his image. He's a covenant keeping God. And here's what begins to happen. You don't have to force yourself to obey. Yourself just start obeying because yourself starts saying it wouldn't make sense not to obey him. Mm -hmm. Because yourself always wants to do what's best for it. And so when you're when you when you use God's word and, and not only your spirit, but your soul, your mind, real emotions, imagination and intellect starts starts knowing that this is for our good. You'll be wanting to eat more and more of that word. And the more and more of that word you eat, it'll guide you right on into obedience. It'll got baby. Come on, listen. We done. God want to slide us something, yes. and we want to guide into yes. obedience. Listen, we have had a good year. We're about to go over here and get this last service in the huddle. It is your opportunity to give, right? And you should it, sell it, today. And you should sow you today. Should. You should go to Givelify, Push Pay, Tithely, Text to Give, or PayPal for our international partners, right? And I want to just remind you guys, those of you who told us that before the end of service that you were going to go and make your Project 2024 yes. pledge, did you do that? Because we need to know where we are. We're still asking. But we know 30 more. I, I, oh, it was two people at least who did it. So oh, it's 28. 28 people. So we 28 need 28 more people, more people right. to come and do the pledge. We got a 10-year-old that said, I believe I'm going to see the faithfulness of God. Yeah. You need to come on in with them. So Project 2024, tell them one more time how they sign up for Project 2024. So the easiest way to sign up for Project 2024, the easiest way, and I'll go back this afternoon. I can't do it right now. But the easiest way is to go to the Fellowship of Champions Facebook page. If you go to that page, you might have to scroll down for a little bit uh, and, and find it, but it is there. There's a link there that talks about Project 2024. It has a QR code and it has a link. You just It's just like on anything else. You just go to the page and you find it, whether you go to the Fellowship of Champions page or the Fellowship of Champions Covenant 
uh, group or page. I get those names mixed up. It's the two things that are associated on Facebook with Fellowship of Champions, the Covenant page or group or the Fellowship of Champions page or group. It is there. This afternoon, I'll go back and I'll pin it again and I'll put it up again. Uh, but but you know what? If you say God told you to sign up, I promise you, you can find it. You'll go and you'll find it. You'll click on it. It take you right to a Google link. You put your name, your, your phone number, address, and the amount. A minimum. We ask people to do a minimum of a thousand. But you may say, I, I looked at the list. There are lots of people who said, no, the Lord told me to do more than that. And they put more down. It's just your pledge. You don't have to pay it today. In fact, we're saying to you, don't just look at your own resources to pay it. Believe God for it. And as you get increased, then you just go into Givelify. You go into Push Pay. You go into Tidely. You go into Text to Give. And you give like you normally would, except you change the, the code on it that you're giving to Project 2024. And that's how we keep track of everything that's come in. And praise God, people are already giving. People, I get a report every Monday, and it tells me how many, it, it doesn't tell me who, but it tells me the amount of money that's been given to Project 2024. I love it. I love it too. Listen, we just declare God's best for you in 2024. Now, we want to pray for you as we get ready to go out of this um, year right now. Father, we thank you for yes. our partners and our friends that are watching. We thank you that your hand is over their life. We thank you for your supernatural kindness being shown to them as they transition into a new year. Father God, in the name of Jesus, according to your word, you said that when we are in covenant with somebody that we can decree a blessing over them. So we decree the blessing of safety, any plot and plan of the enemy to bring destruction into their families, premature death, sickness, disease, fire, any form of destruction. We stand against that now, according to Psalms 91. We declare that their homes are safe. We declare that their cars are safe. We release angelic ass assistance to them to get them and their family into the new year. We declare that 2024 is a blessed year because you are in it with us. We declare that there is increase in our hearing, increase in our understanding, increase in our love for you as we recognize your love for us, increase of our obedience. And we declare that the champions are peculiar people that are a demonstration, a sign and a wonder in the earth pointing people back to you. Now, Father, we pray for our partners that have been so faithful this year. Anything that's lacking in their life, we release it now. Anything that's broken in their life right now, we call it heal, hold, and set free. We we just declare goodness on them. Just the goodness, the goodness, your goodness overwhelm them. We thank them for their faithful partnership. And you said that you would bless those that bless us. And they have been a blessing to us. And we ask you to overflow them with blessings according to Ephesians 3 and 20. Do exceeding abundantly above all that they could ask or think according to the power that worketh in them, which is the Holy Ghost, and we declare it, it is done in Jesus' name. And as Chris said, further, further, faster. Amen. Further, 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 further faster. So you can say good night, but to, uh, you can say go out today by saying further, further, faster. And if you're in Northwest Arkansas, you get yourself to this huddle because we're going to have us a good time. Amen. We love you. We'll see you next year. God bless you. God bless you.